Welcome to our online midweek Bible study. I want to begin by thanking all of you who've emailed me or called me about this midweek Bible study over the course of the last few weeks. It's good to get feedback and opportunities to answer any questions you might have. I sure do miss meeting with you on Wednesday nights at the building for our midweek class, but we're just not able to do that right now. And so I'm making the most of it. I hope you are too. And I hope you're really getting a whole lot out of these lessons. We're in a study of Hebrews on Jesus as superior and greater to all. And so far we've seen the evidence as to why Jesus is greater and superior to all, that Jesus is superior and greater than the angels, that Jesus is superior and greater to any human that's ever lived, that Jesus is superior and greater to Moses, that Jesus is superior and greater to the great high priest, and that Jesus is greater and superior because the way he made his covenant, this New, Test New Testament covenant, to be greater than the Mosaic covenant. This time we're in Hebrews chapter 9, and we're going to primarily begin in verse 6 and following, and we're going to examine how the sacrifice of Jesus, his blood, is greater and superior to any other sacrifice or any other blood that might be offered. And I would encourage you, if this is your first time into this midweek class, to go back and look at the other lessons that are online as well. I think you'll be blessed by those to see the overall picture of this whole theme that Jesus is greater and superior to anything. I can't cover this particular topic in one lesson tonight. It may take two or three, but we're gonna look in Hebrews 9, primarily verse six through 15 this evening. And I want to encourage you to go to the website and download the notes. I believe you will find them to be a help to your study. My goal is always to present ideas that I have studied in order to move you to want to study this subject in even greater depth. And I hope you'll do that with this as well. So if you want to pause the podcast right here, go ahead and read Hebrews 9, 1 through 15, although we're just gonna look at six through 15, uh, verses one through five will give you a little bit more background. Download the notes, and once you do that, come back to the podcast. Okay, if you're still with me, or you paused and came back, let's get into this wonderful subject of why the sacrifice of Jesus is greater and superior to any sacrifice. What makes his blood on the cross so much better? Well, we've seen that Jesus is the great high priest, and he brings in his great new covenant. So let's begin in chapter 9, verse 6, and let's see what the regular ministry was for the priest in the tabernacle and in the temple. In the outer court of the tabernacle and the temples which replaced it, it was always in continual use. Each day in the morning, the appointed priest would enter into the outer courts and there trim all the lamps and burn incense on the incense altar. On a week-by-week -week basis, the appointed priest would enter into the next area, the holy place, to put fresh loaves on the tables. And these services could be done by any priest. When you get to verse 7, only the high priest was permitted to enter the most inner room, which is also called the most holy place or the holy of holies. And even there, he was permitted only to enter that holy of holies, that most holy place, that inner tent once a year. That day was known as the Day of Atonement. There were strict 
conditions of his entrance into the most holy place on the day of atonement to gain access to the throne of God. If you're interested in this, you can find those restrictions that are listed in Leviticus chapter 16, but I'll summarize them here for you. It was on the 10th day of the seventh month each year around the time of the autumn equinox that the high priest would enter in for this day of atonement. He did not wear his normal violet robe and accessories. On that day, he would wear his white linen robe, or clothing rather, reserved for special sacrificial occasions. And on that day, he would enter the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, twice on that day. First time he entered, he carried the blood of the bull sacrifice as a sin offering for himself and his household. He would sprinkle the bull's blood in front of and before the mercy seat, which all the time in that area was shrouded in the smoke of a cloud arising from the incense which was burned on the golden altar. Now you might want to pause and take a moment to go back and read Hebrews 9, 1 through 5 to get familiar with the furniture in the Holy of Holies if you're not familiar. Or you might want to do a search engine to get an image of what that might have looked like. Now the second time he goes into the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, or the inner room or the inner tent, he brings the blood of the goat that was sacrificed as a sin offering for the people at large, for the nation. He sprinkled the goat's blood in front of and before the mercy seat as well. Now Hebrews 9 does not cover what happens next, but from the Mosaic law, let me tell you what the priest did next. Once all this was accomplished, this part of the atoning ritual, he came out and confessed the national sins over the head of a second goat that was assigned by the drawing of lots. That goat was not slaughtered, but rather was driven from the presence of the people to go into a solitary land outside the camp. Now, verse seven here covers a whole lot of information, doesn't it? Very important for this comparison that we're gonna use between the comparison of the blood of Jesus being greater and superior to the blood of the Mosaic offerings of the bull and goats. So let me, let me summarize this. Except on this yearly occasion, the way into the throne room of God was barred for all Israelites, even for the high priest himself. When the high priest did enter on the day of atonement, his entry was safeguarded by sacrificial blood that had to be repeated every year. Fresh blood had to be shed and fresh entry made into the Holy of Holies year by year. Now look in Hebrews 9, 8 through 9, and it tells us that the Holy Spirit wants to teach us something. Throughout the age of the Mosaical Covenant, there was no direct access to God. The gifts and sacrifices offered could not clean the conscience. They were only ceremonial washings, external regulations. So that way to God, the Holy Spirit is telling us, had not yet been opened, free access to approach his throne with confidence. The offerings and the sacrifices, according to the Holy Spirit, are an illustration. They are a parable that they themselves could not bring perfection. They could not cleanse the worshiper because they could not reach and clean the conscience. Now here's the point the Holy Spirit is leading us to. This is why 
The sacrifice of the blood of Jesus is greater and superior to that of the animal blood sacrifices. You see, the real barrier to free access to God is an inward one, not external, not a material one. It exists in the conscience. It is only when the conscience is purified that you are set free, set free to approach God without reservations, rather with confidence and offer Him acceptable and pleasing worship and service. Therefore, in this regard of free access to God, without restrictions, the blood of the bulls and goats were useless. They did not give Israel free access. Now, they were important. They provided ceremonial and symbolic removal of the pollution of sin. It made them clean and right before God. But they could not go into the Holy of Holies and approach the throne room of God day by day or week by week. One priest representing all the people could only do this once a year for a limited period of time on that day with very specific restrictions. It was a temporary access. Now he goes in verse 10 and notice he begins to talk about the food and drink and a variety of ritual washings. When the high priest was through with his work on the day of atonement, he was required to bathe his body in water. The food and drink was purified as well. The purification was not only for high hygiene, but it was highly symbolic of the importance of purity in the presence of God. But all these regulations, all these washings, all this purification were merely external in nature. They did nothing to purify the conscience inwardly. They were temporary, they were limited, and they were all pointing, in verse 10, to a new order, to a new covenant. The mosaical regulations were now to give way to the new. No longer the emphasis on the outward and the earthly, but to the inward and the heavenly reality. And the one who made that possible, and the only one who can make this possible, is your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why in Verse 11, the first two words are so important. These two linking words, but now. But when, according to your translations, either but now or but when. But when someone is about to be, when something's about to happen, it's connecting us to the new order. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things to come that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. You see, with Christ, the new order, the new covenant has arrived. What used to be the good things to come are now the good things that have come. They're now already here. Why? Because Jesus has been here. For Christ appeared, and with him came perfect redemption and cleansing of our sins. Hallelujah. Now look at the ministry of Jesus here in verse 11. It's in the heavenly sanctuary. We cover this a whole lot when we look at Jesus as the greater high priest than any other priest after the order of Melchizedek. So I won't take the time to cover it here. But if you miss that, go back to that lesson and listen to that lesson. He's ministering in a sanctuary not made by humans because the Most High does not dwell in houses made with hands according to Isaiah chapter 66. 
That's exactly what Stephen said in his last sermon that's recorded in Acts chapter 7. And it's the point that Paul made in Acts 17. God does not dwell in an earthly house. Jesus is the most high God. And that's certainly pointed out in Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. He came to earth fully human, fully divine. Look in Philippians 2. He entered the heavenly sanctuary by virtue of his own blood. As mentioned here in our text, and you see it here in verse 12. Now remember, in the Mosaical Covenant, worshipers did not have the free access to God because the blood of the bulls and goats had not cleaned and purified their conscience. But through Jesus, verse 12 tells us, we have obtained this eternal redemption. Now, I want us for just a moment to jump ahead and look at chapter 10, verse 19. It, it brings us all together so perfectly. Chapter 10, verse 19, are you there? Therefore, begins with the word therefore, and remember when you see a therefore, you always ask the question, what is it therefore? What is it linking us back to? Here it is, it's a wrap up as to why the blood sacrifice of Jesus is greater and superior to any other sacrifice. Here it is. Therefore, since we have confidence to do what? To enter the most holy place by how? The blood of Jesus. How can we do that? Through the new and living way, open us through the curtain. What curtain? His body. And since we have a great high priest, who's the great superior high priest of all? Jesus, who's over the house of God, not made with human hands. It's not the tabernacle. It's not the earthly temple. What do we do? We get to draw near to God. We have free access with a sincere heart. And notice, with the full assurance that our faith brings. Notice, we've had our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Praise God. That's what Jesus has done for us. You need to go before God and thank God that he's given us this access through his son, Jesus Christ. Now notice in verse 12, it's once and for all. Sacrifices on the Day of Atonement had to be done year after year after year. It was temporary. And Denny did not even clean the conscience. But Christ entered once for all. It is forever. It will never change because the redemption for our sins by his blood is perfect in its nature and eternal in its effect. Now look at Hebrews 9, 13 through 14, and let's just put that comparison of the animal blood sacrifices and why the blood sacrifice of Jesus is greater and superior to any other sacrifice. It's not just the blood sacrifices on the Day of Atonement that Hebrews is talking about, but all the sacrifices that are made throughout the year. Outwardly, Ceremonially, the pollution, the uncleanness of the sin was removed, making them outwardly clean. The blood of Christ, however, cleans our conscience from the acts that lead to death. Sin leads to death. It gives birth to sin. That's the consequences of sin. Here it refers to the ashes 
It's referring here to the red heifer sacrifice that's mentioned in Numbers 19. Not even the red heifer sacrifice from Numbers 19 could do this. Here, a perfect red heifer, which had never had a yoke, was to be killed outside the camp of Israel in the presence of the priest who then sprinkled its blood seven times in front of the tabernacle. The body of the heifer was then burned into two ashes. As it was burning, the priest threw cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet thread into the burning fire. And when all of it was consumed, the ashes were gathered up, stored outside the camp to be used on the occasions that required for the preparation of water for the removal of impurity. You see, when a person came in contact with a dead body, they had to be purified. They were unclean. So they were sprinkled with this purification water that contained some of the red heifer ashes in them. And here's the point the Hebrew writer's making. Whether it was the Day of Atonement sacrifices, of bulls and goats, or the red heifer ashes that were used in the water for purification, they only ceremonially removed the dirt, the pollution of sin, and it was only temporary. Thank God for Jesus Christ once and for all, his blood. His sacrifice cleans our conscience from the acts, sins that lead to death so that we may serve a living God, so that we may have free access to the throne room of God, so that we can have confidence to enter the presence of God because we are covered by the redemptive sacrificial blood of Christ, which is greater and superior to any other sacrifice. Notice the eternal spirit in verse 14 that's upon Jesus. In Isaiah 42, God tells us that into his servant Messiah, he would put his spirit. It is in the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus, the Messiah, the servant of God, accomplishes every aspect of his redemption for our sins. The Trinity is involved. God the Father puts the Holy Spirit upon the Son of God, and the entire Godhead is involved in this redemptive act. Now, the animals were to be unblemished. Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. He was unblemished as well. It's interesting that the animal sacrifices were to be unblemished, to give their very best. And yet in Malachi, we find as their nation's sins become accumulate more and more and more, the priests themselves begin to give sacrifices of animals are not of the best type, but the ones that are lame and have blemishes, and they're sinning out of their greed. But when they were doing it right, they would take the best animals they could find without blemish to offer them to God. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the perfect sacrifice. He lived an unblemished life, tempted as we were, yet without sin. And Christ took that unblemished life and he presented it to God on our behalf on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 53, verse 9, that said the Messiah would have no violence in him and there would be no deceit in his mouth. He fulfilled Isaiah when he was perfectly obedient to the will of God. Only Jesus, who knew no sin, could become our sacrifice for sin so that we might be saved from our sins by his blood that our conscience would be made clean from the sinful acts that lead to death so that we may serve a living God, that our nature, sinful nature, is put to death and we're given this new nature by God. So in chapter 9, verse 15, it says, it's for this reason. There's that connecting phrase again. 
Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Now that, if you go back to chapter 8, verse 6, connects it back to the statement in 8, verse 6, to the ministry that Jesus had. The ministry that Jesus has received as superior to theirs, as the covenant of which he's mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. The basis for all this, he gave his life as a ransom for us. Jesus held up the cup during the Last Supper and said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And now this redemptive death has taken place. The promise of our eternal inheritance has been made good. The new covenant and everything that the grace of God provides under it is forever ours. We are heirs of that promise, as Paul says in Romans, co-heirs with Christ. The fulfillment of the promise is the eternal inheritance in which we, into which we have entered. Now, I like that, eternal inheritance, eternal is an adjective, which is associated with the new covenant. This new covenant of Jesus is eternal. Therefore, the redemption that comes under the new covenant, which is provided for us by the blood of Jesus Christ and gives us this inheritance to which God brings to us as his people is likewise eternal. Our mediator, Jesus Christ, of this covenant offered himself up to God as a spiritual and eternal sacrifice and becomes the source of our eternal salvation. Salvation. The blood of Jesus, his sacrifice is greater and superior to any other sacrifice. We'll pick up on this again next week. But meanwhile, I hope this lesson has been helpful to you and gives you a greater understanding of the superiority and the greatness of our Savior. God bless you.